fight. Three, two, one. Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Big Bad Geek! Welcome back, listeners and even viewers on our YouTube channel. This is Adrian here from Arcade Attack, and we've got another super guest, a real arcade legend. We've got Brian Collin here, probably best known for his amazing work on Rampage. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. Oh, it really is an honor. Um, before we talk about your individual games and you know, really get deep into your career, I mean, you, you've you've been in the, the uh, video game industry for such a long time, Brian. I'd just like to know... What inspires you, you know, in the media and why and what, why are you still in the gaming industry now, I believe? And, and why, why do you reckon you've been so successful over such a long period of time? Uh, can't answer the last part. I have no idea why it's successful. I kind of make games to amuse myself. And if I'm lucky, they amuse other people. Um, so, yeah, why is I, I'm lucky? Uh, what makes me laugh apparently makes other people laugh. Um and uh, what inspires me? My life. Uh, the everything I do for a lot of people are surprised, you know, that are obsessed with games or loving games. Games weren't around when I was growing up. Mm. Uh, my life always comes first, whether that's with my kids or drinking with buddies or, you know, watching TV or anything that comes first. And inspiration is usually in the form of a challenge. I mean, what gets me excited about a game is somebody saying, you can't do this. And then I go, well, there's got to be a way we can do this. So I think as much as anything, it's kind of that perverse uh, thing, even growing up as a kid in school, you know, when the teacher, you know, your mom says, you know, get your, you know, hands out of the cookie jar. Those aren't my hands. Those are my fingers. You know, that kind of mentality, I think, is always stuck with me. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned there you, you didn't have video games when you were growing up. So I'd just love to know, how did you get into the video game industry? What, what was the first game you ever worked on? Is it, how did you think that's the industry for you? I didn't. I didn't think that was the industry for me. I, I was a filmmaker in high school, filmmaker in college, uh, made a lot of films with friends. But in college, it costs a lot more, so I started doing animated films because I could control it better, and my main character wasn't going to drop out halfway through the semester. And I did an animated film that won a lot of international awards. Oh, wow. And um, I got a call. For, I saw an ad for the Bally Midway Company, and uh, uh, they were hiring animators. And I'm thinking, what does a pinball company need with an animator? And I was like 20, you know, just out of college. And it's like, oh, they need... Uh, you know, someone to paint on the back glass. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still there looking for a cell animator. Well, I got there and I found out I was, you know, totally wrong, naive. And, there's, and the gentleman who interviewed me is like, no, no, we're looking for an animator for video games. We saw your, you know, we started an in-house development group and we need an animator, you know, a professional animator. And I'm like, really? For like Pac-Man? People do that? <laughs> But, you know, I was, and I told him I had a successful ad agency, you know, I'm mainly getting 
uh, paid in free beer and pretzels. But I said, you know, you're going to have to, it's not that I don't want the job, but you're going to have to pay me more than like um, $300 a month. And he's like, uh, yeah, we're a big video game company. I think we can do better than that. And I left and I didn't, they called me up and I was with some friends and uh, they found me, tracked me down and said, you know, we were hiring you and I'm hanging up the phone and I tried to make a joke out of it. I, I, I said, guys, it uh, looks like childhood's over. I've got a real job. <laughs> and I actually choked up and I've never been more wrong. I mean, it has never been anything like a real job and childhood has never been over. I mean, talk about backing into something within the first few weeks that I was there. I mean, they hired me to do the animation on Dis of Tron. Uh, you remember Tron? That was yeah, yeah. Well, the little guy animated looking like, you know, very jerky and everything. So they hired me. And even though I like really didn't think I wanted the job because I have a kind of a pen and ink style, when I was making films, it's weeks of drawing, painting, coloring, nights after nights of filming one frame at a time. Uh, then it's, uh, uh, you know, sending the film away to get processed, getting it back, finding what, out what your mistakes are. At this new job, I only had 16 colors to work with. I'm pushing pixels with a little thumb button. You know. But what I got done in the morning, I could see playing in the afternoon. I fell in love with the media, the immediacy of it, the ability that I could walk across the hall and say to the programmer, no, no, hold that just a little bit before he falls off. And that will give the player a chance to get back on. the. And it, I fell in love. And those days were real Wild West days. They were just figuring things out. Almost everybody in the office was my age. We were outside of the um, uh main offices we had our own yeah, yeah. down the street so the, the management didn't bother us and they would let basically we got to try anything we wanted to try and so before long i'm not just an animator i'm becoming a game designer because animators were lucky we got to work on everything being made yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas programmers they're working on one thing for a year Okay, mm. I got to work on this and this and this and this within weeks of joining the thing. They created a new game out of some uh, concept art I did and assigned, hired a programmer for it. That's crazy. Another game was failing. And I said, well, the gameplay is fun, but it's very boring looking. Mm. And I created another character. And they res let me reskin the game. And then it went out into production. So these were like really, and this is all the first months, couple of years. Uh, you know, a few years before I did Rampage, a few years yeah, before, yeah, yeah. they were calling me a designer. But it was a wonderful, wonderful time to back into this industry because there was a ton of creative freedom. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was just a wonderful time. And I see I told you I would ramble. So no, 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 I, you got to interrupt me. I wouldn't, Brian. I, I'm really, in, I, I, really quickly. I just want to ask you about that animated film you made. You said it won awards. I, I, I so I didn't do it in my research. Do you mind just telling me what was it? A cartoon? Was it a? The uh, name of the film was In Search of a Plot. Um, it uh, it was a ten minute film that uh, was a. You never saw the guy in a big easy chair with a cigar coming out while he tried to think about what he wanted to make a movie about. So it started out as a horror film, went to a love story, became a Western, then a war movie set in a pinball machine. It wow. just went all over the place. 
um, ended up uh, as a musical about death. So I hit all the, I hit every button I could hit. And I mainly was just having a lot of fun with it. And uh, yeah, it won, it won, um, yeah, a lot of awards around, around, uh, uh, I won a trip to uh, Paramount uh, sponsored by Playboy and, um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, Hugh Hefner's parrot bit me, but that's another story. We know. Oh wow! <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been blessed. I've had a fun life. I wonder. I mean, you're, you're obviously doing what you love, but did you, did you ever see yourself in the movie industry? Was that the thing that really got you going early in your career, or what got me going was was making things that made people laugh. I made films because they were fun to make with friends. I. I had a good friend who was a good photographer. I was lousy with a Super 8 camera. I was great at editing. And I was great at coming up with the stories and directing and editing it all together to make sure it got done. For me, there was no fun in doing something unless you finish it. And I've kind of carried that through my whole life. I became a designer out of self-defense. In other words, I'm working with guys who will never get finished this game because they never want to plan anything out. And they're more like, well, let's try this. That didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. It's like when I'm working on something, I wanted to get out there. And like I said, I became a designer out of self-defense because I just like getting the thing out there, getting people's reactions. And more often than not, thankfully, the reactions have been good. Well, what was the first official published game that you worked on? You said it wasn't Rampage. Do you remember what it was? Discs of Tron was the first game I worked on. Then I worked on Spy Hunter. Then I worked on Demolition Derby and Sarge and uh, Zwackery. Zwackery was a a, a Dungeons and Dragons arcade game. All of these are arcade games for Bally Midway. Midway. Uh, Zwackery uh, was the first game. uh, They were showing Nolan Bushnell through the offices. And I'm standing next to a game and, uh, and the manager, and they never called anybody a designer. You're a this, you're a this. Mm. Designers, you know, no, nobody's a designer. You're just doing your job. And they passed it. And they said, this is New Games Wackery. And this is the designer, Brian Colon. And I'm like, whoa, out the next day, change my business card. You know, it's just it was a great moment. And then right after Rampage, I think I did, uh, right after it's Wackery, I did Rampage. Oh, wow. We'll talk about that. Um, we've had on the podcast before um, Eugene Jarvis and John Tobias. Now, I, I assume you might have worked with Eugene. I don't know if John Tobias was in your timeline. What, what, do you have any sort of um, work with those two gentlemen at all, Brian? Maybe my ask. Well, they're both great guys. Uh, I worked with them after they bought Bally. I mean, they worked for Williams. A lot of confusion yeah. because everything, because they bought Midway, a lot of Midway game sets and everything else have got my games in them, but we did them. They were the competition. Uh, and Eugene was working, you know, tr- tremendous programmer, designer, working for them on the other side of town. And then late uh, after we finished, um, let's see, we'd done Rampage and Xenophobe, and I'd done, we were halfway through Arch Rivals uh, when they bought, Williams bought, Valley Midway. Uh, but by that time I I was already working at home. Midway let me work at work at home a lot of times. So when I went over to the new Williams Valley Midway, Eugene, I think, was one of the you know first guys I talked to um, on the on the video game side. And myself and Jeff Nauman, who I did rampage with and a lot of games, 
great programmer. He and I were the only two video game designers Williams kept when they bought the company. Wow. Okay. Well, that's. I found really... out after we finished Arch Rivals for now the new Williams Valley Midway, Arch Rivals sales paid for the buyout. Wow. <laughs> if that would just hung on for two more months, you know, who knows? Well, Wow. But they were great guys, yeah. And then we, I wouldn't see them on a daily basis because both Jeff and I were working at our respective homes in those days. Mm-hmm. But because uh, we got more done, um, we got we had been working together long enough that we could get stuff done, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not in a wink and a few words. Uh, so we had, we didn't have to come into the office every day because it was right downtown and a horrible commute. I live out towards the country what we both did fair enough no well let's let's rewind the clock a bit and go back to rampage i mean i mean that's um i used to love it i've I played it on the amiga all the time and I've, I've played the you know every sort of console i get i seem to get the sort of updated versions or whatnot you know um how on earth did you think of this idea was it something in the back of your mind for months or years these characters and i'd love to hear the inspiration uh behind it I, the inspiration, I guess, is like I said, I'm old enough that, you know, the Magnavox Odyssey was the video game and you had to put a colored screen on your black and white TV just to get color on it. So I didn't have video games. I played in a sandbox with army men. And then when you're done with setting up everything and digging your little tunnels and building your fort, there's nothing to do but stomp on it, you know. So that's probably the inspiration, but that's not when I was thinking of uh, the actual inspiration for the game. When I would go to a trade show, I would look around at everything to make sure there was never anything I was too close to what I was working on or wanted to work on. And a lot of the games in 84 uh, at the last trade show had animating backgrounds and I wanted to do bigger characters so I could show comedy, Um, you know, show their faces of the characters and stuff. And, and um, hardware guy, the guys in about five of us were sitting there in, in a conference room and I'm like, why can't management give us, you know, bigger background, and it's like you can't do it now with this hardware. And I'm, I'm fighting. And I, finally, the guy's like, Ryan, all you can do is animate a moving rectangle. What the hell are you going to do with a moving rectangle? <laughs> so I, I turned to Sharon and I said, okay, a building collapsing into itself, that's a moving rectangle. Mm-hmm. What knocks down buildings? Big figures, big monsters. You know, within 20 minutes, we were all like, oh, we've got the best game. We, You know, I ran and got my favorite programmer, Jeff, pulled him into the meeting. It's like, okay, you can do this, right? You can do this. Okay, we can do this. I can do this. We can do this. We got this. Ran to our bosses like, we've got, you know, the number one game next year. And, of course, he said, no. <laughs> Did he? Oh, yeah. So I went over his head to the head of uh, VP of uh, engineering that sounds great, Brian, but you can't because you can't eat people and you can't be the bad guy and you can't do that. And all to the upper management, no, no, and no. Jeff and I started working on it, proving out the concept anyway, kind of in our own time. Um, And by an amazing coincidence, the top three guys at Bally got fired all at once. Corporate came in, fired them uh, from Bally Midway and replaced them with a guy who was working retail. Um, there was a store here, retail store here called Montgomery Wards, and he was ahead of it. He moved over. He gave up, you know, the troops a little speech. You know, I, you know, my door, office door is always open. 
you can guess who was waiting outside the office door his very first day of work. Uh, and he green, he fell in love with it. He green-lighted it. He didn't have any preconceptions. And the game went on to break every earnings record in the country for a video game at, in the day. So it was very gratifying. It's a very personal, very personal uh, story for me because it was, it was, it was a fight, but we knew that's yeah, one yeah. you just know from the beginning. You just know. It's a shame that some people had to lose their jobs. Uh, you know, yeah. no one wants to hear that, but it might not have happened. It wasn't my, it wasn't my fault. I didn't, I didn't fight. Yeah. No, it wasn't you. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was, I was happy to learn it. Yeah. I, I, it was a risk, though, because you're right. It, you're the bad guys. You are eating people. It, it, on paper, it, 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 was, it definitely was a risk, but I pre- respect. I mean, it was so different at the time, wasn't it? It was nothing like it. Well, and for me, I mean, I was college in the 70s. So, I mean, for me, it was an ecological thing. They weren't the bad guys. They were victims of the Scum Labs company. You know, this guy, you know, got exposed to this wrong kind of stuff, and they were turned into monsters. They were the victims. Yeah. At, at most, they were the antiheroes. Uh, so, uh, uh, so yeah, I never really thought of them as the bad guys, but yeah, eating people and knocking down cities, I can see where you might draw that conclusion. I, I love the, um, the humors in there, like it's quite dark comedy. So when you eat the dynamite stick, it's just brilliant little touches and the fire comes out. I mean, was that all your idea and just, just. Well, that was part of the beauty because one of the things that, um, I, you know, I always look for the challenges. And with a lot of games, if you've got big characters, you can only do so much. You've only got so much ROM space, you know, so much memory to contain your art. With this, like George and Ralph, people ask me, why a wolf? It's like, well, we didn't yeah. have art to art space to do, you know, three full characters because there's a lot of animation there. George, Ralph is George with a different head. And we okay. did the color palette. So like we're always thinking of that kind of stuff. And then the little guys that popped out of the windows, that was, for us, that was brilliant. Jeff and I go back and forth. It's like, okay, we got to have a guy on a toilet. Oh, we'll make him two parts. You eat the guy off the toilet, but then if you punch again, the water knocks you back in your face. So we would just come up with this stuff over the months of doing this, and they were all small. So we could get dozens and dozens of little surprises in there. And I think that's why Rampage had such legs. I mean, that is to say, why it, where other games came into the arcade and dropped off, Rampage would come in high and then lower a little bit, but it would it lasted for years in arcades, uh, in bowling alleys and ice arenas and everywhere. Um, so, I mean, that's part of what made it great was the structure of it. Let us take advantage of a kind of an outdated hardware, even when we were doing it, in a way that nobody thought we you could. Uh, so, we, yeah, we lucked out. We were lucky. I, I do like the three characters, George, Lizzie, and Ralph. I mean, was was it always going to be a free player mode, a free players, or was there other characters you thought about? You mentioned the colours there, but why why particularly George, Lizzie, and Ralph? May I ask? Well, uh, I mean, I was a, as an animator uh, and a you know monster movie lover as a kid. I loved King Kong, of course, and the Ray Harryhausen version, the stop motion animation. I made a few of those in in high school. Nice. But uh, so I knew, and one had to be a gorilla. I mean, let's face it, you know, King Kong, that's what everybody thought. And then people were saying Godzilla, but I actually liked Lizzie because we had the size constrictions. She couldn't be taller than the building. She couldn't be Godzilla. So I based her on the Ymir from 20 Million Miles to Earth by Ray Harryhausen. 
And so same kind of proportion, small enough that you could crawl up. And then you heard where Ralph came from. Uh, yeah. Do you have a personal favorite out of those three, you may I ask? Well, at this, oh, yeah, absolutely. At the beginning of the original game, they, you scroll. It's uh, like a computer program feed scrolls up, and you see George as a human and George as the ape, Lizzie as a human, Ralph as a human, and as the wolf. And my photo was George. My wife's photo was Lizzie. And programmer Jeff Nauman, his photo was Ralph. Oh, so it, cool. You want to know who's my favorite character? <laughs> my wife went out for lunch, so George is my favorite character. But if she was here, it'd be Lizzie all the way. I mean, that's such a good Easter egg, isn't it? Just that having your own photo in the game. I mean, that that's great. <laughs> well, and I mean, even that was before I even thought about Easter eggs. Mm. I mean, Easter eggs came out as a way of programmers hiding stuff that management wouldn't let them do. We couldn't put our names on games. Spy Hunter. Uh, George Gomez and the artists uh, hid our names into the side cabinet art as specs for the car Uh, in Zwackery, you know, the default, uh, we spelled out the programmer's name, uh, Emil Golan and and mine in the high scores and stuff. But that's where Easter eggs came from. And I really wasn't even thinking about that kind of stuff until I, when we were bought out by Williams, I started understanding what Easter eggs were. I didn't even know before that that other people were doing this stuff. So cool. I mean, uh, I don't know if this is true, Brian, but I hope, I hope it is. But is it is it true that you helped prom- promote Rampage with a fake memo about an upcoming monster attack? Is that a load of rubbish? Was there some truth in that comment? <laughs> well, it wasn't a memo as much as uh, a four-page um, document. Well, what it was was, I basically, we knew we only had limited art, so we named every city after um, a town in North America. And uh, so I went to the head of marketing, and I said, um, I've got 175, 768 levels, no, no two the same, 175 different st- cities, write to these cities and say, your town is about to be destroyed, write to the newspapers. And you can guess what he said. No. Whoa. <laughs> so I wrote to 175 new, like every newspaper in 175 towns. I hand typed up and printed. This is days of letters. Crazy. There's nothing like that. Wrote a, a sent him a two page uh, like overview of the game and a cover letter that basically said your town is about to de- be destroyed. And I generated hundreds of newspaper articles. I've got a nice big thick folder in the back here with, well, the ones I've still got. Uh, it was great. It was great fun. And, uh, and they I, took, I, I assume most, they took it in good jest. Was it all some funny replies or just, oh, yeah, no, everybody got, well, everybody, I mean, I explained what it was, you know, this is a new game coming from us, but that, that opening line, you know, Chicago is about to be destroyed. Moose jaw is about to be destroyed. Wherever the town, Los Angeles, People, you know, do, and newspapers are always looking for good, fun content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, some of them were full page thing where they had their own in-house artists create giant cartoons. I mean, and you know, every all of them were great. And it was all free publicity. It was great. I mean, they're that's why, again, Rampage really, it was my baby. And there was no way I was going to leave any stone unturned. Yeah, it. it's, it's something that would go viral now, that kind of thing. I mean, you kind of went viral before the internet didn't it that kind of weird there was no such word back then i mean uh i mean for me the internet i'm not a gamer 
you know, I play certain games. I love them. Uh, but I'm more about making games is fun for me. And especially back in the day, you know, my, my first computer, uh, my first controls were horrific. My first computer was, you know, a little tiny green screen monitor and a, the, my hard drive was as big as a, well, at first it was seven and a half inch floppies. And eventually when we got really good hardware, it was the size of a dishwasher and it would hold less than a JPEG can hold today. Um, so I'm, I'm not a technical guy. Yeah. I want to know enough that I need to know to get around whatever problem someone's throwing at me. Uh, and I don't even know how I drifted over to that. What were you asking me again? <laughs> well, no, but well, I was just going to say, actually, if I was, in, it's a good question. If I was in your shoes, Brian, after after Rampage came out, you knew it was a huge success. I, I personally, I would be walking to the uh, the nearest arcades and watching people play it and get get. Did you do that? Did you? I yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. That is the thing I miss most about arcade games. That was part of the process. Mm-hmm. It was the best part of the process. When we would make a game. You'd work on it for eight, nine months, and it got to fully playable, and everybody in the office is wandering, and especially at Old Midway. Everybody was very peer-to-peer. Everybody wanted to help everybody else do stuff. Um, and, you know, it's a very much a team process. Even though the, t- the core team might only be two or three guys, everybody on the floor is helping you out. And you do that for months all during the development. It'd get to a place where you think it's pretty good, and then we'd go out on tests. And it was usually six to eight weeks where – that was part of our day. We're working in the morning and then we're halfway through, the, you know, halfway through the afternoon, yeah. hit the hit up the arcade. You stand in the back of the room and you're watching young children. Well, there's got to be a better way to say that. Um, you're standing in the room and you're watching players yeah. and the and you're watching their faces. What's for me, what's making them laugh, what's pissing them off, what's getting them angry at the other guy. Because, you know, uh, George Gomez, a mechanical engineer at Bally, pinball designer these days. um, One of the first things, you know, I remember him saying, you know, we've got two customers and it's very true. The player wants to live forever. The operator wants him off in 30 seconds, but he wants that next quarter. We got to make them both happy. So my way to do that from among the very first games that I'm, you know, had a design component to where I want this guy laughing when he dies. I want this guy digging in his pocket to put in that next order. So going into the, the actual arcades all over Chicagoland and just standing there and watching and seeing what made him laugh, what's making him dig for that quarter. Why is he walking away rather than going in? That was crucial. And then interpreting it. Because a lot of times, you know, somebody who's just writing down what they're doing is going to say, well, people like brown characters better than blue characters because they're playing George Moore. Or, you know, people don't like dying. Well, you know, nobody likes dying. I mean, and that's why we didn't kill you in Rampage. We turned you into a little naked person that crawled off the screen. That was a tremendous quarter sucker. Because at some point, Jeff and I looked at each other and it's like, Make it so you can eat that guy before he gets off the screen. If you get off before another player can eat you, you can buy in and keep your score and keep going up. If the other player eats you, you can't. And that got people digging for a quarter as fast as they could to throw it into the game because they wanted to keep their score and keep going. And that also made other people jump off of buildings and run and chase the guy down to try and eat him. So either way, both players are having fun. 
And all of my favorite games and all of my, I think, best games are all multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I've done single-player games. Disatron was beautiful. Um, Bob Dinnerman was a programmer on that. He was a perfectionist. And I, if you've ever been in that environmental cabinet, it's you wouldn't believe it was from 1982. I mean, you just would not believe it. It was more real than, well, than anything I saw for the next 30 years in terms of a 3D space on a raster hardware. But I digress. Um, But apart from that and maybe a couple other games, most of my games were multiplayer. And because I think engaging people, I mean, that was back in the day, social gaming. You were with total strangers. So Rampage was very much there's no wrong way to play it by design because we knew first of all we were adding that third player which was unheard of Mm. and we knew that this guy might not know this guy this guy might be brother and sister here over here and you could cooperate you could fight each other you could do basically you could do whatever you wanted. It was, you know, it was going yeah, back yeah. to my sandbox as a little kid. Here's what you got to work with. Have fun, guys. And, uh, and yeah, I'm so glad it worked. I, I agree. It was a game that just, you could play it many ways. I used to play my brothers, and sometimes we'd work together and, as a team, but others, it was just almost like a beat-em-up. Oh, brilliant. And watching in the arcade, you saw that. You saw people playing together, and then all it took is one guy swinging at that helicopter behind him, missing. And hitting his friend or his brother, and then the two of them were going at it. And as far as I'm concerned, we were happy because the more they beat each other up, the quicker their quarter runs out and they've got to dig for another. So the game was making tons of money. I thought the only thing we didn't figure out is that people would finish the game. 768 levels, we figured no one's ever going to end. And it wasn't stylish back then yet. Nobody's wasting art on like big end game scenarios. So for all of you that were that did manage to stay in the arcade all day long and all night and finish the game and were expecting something, all the characters do is all they turn and face the camera and go, Rawr. that's it. <laughs> yeah. The original, it's a big, big movie at the end of World Tour. But in that original, we got so much crap for that. It's like, I played all the way through one. It's like, sorry. We didn't think anybody would ever get there. Oh, wow. Um... I mean, Rampage was a huge success at the arcades. It was also ported as well, wasn't it, to so many computers and consoles. Brian, was your was part of your job working on those ports, or was that other people's kind no, of? No, I always had. I always halfway through every game, I always had another game I was ready to work on right. and already working on. Um, ports were done by third parties typically. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, they you know. Uh, during those years, they would send me boxes, you know, the games in the boxes so I could check them out. And usually, since I had a rampage in my basement, the arcade, all I would do is check out the art. It's like, oh, this one's cool. This is great. Oh, oh, they, they didn't put Ralph on this one. How come? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like this style or I don't like this style. I mean, that's about all I had to do with ports, which for the most, for the most part, there are a couple of times we were like invited to the release parties and that kind of stuff. And, uh, but for the most part, uh, they were just the parent company mid Valley Midway was selling the rights to somebody else. And Understood. if they were nice enough, they'd throw us a couple of copies. One of the most interesting ports is the actual Atari Lynx version. I'm sure you know, but they've, they've got four characters. Uh, you can connect up 
I don't know if it's four lynxes. I don't know how exactly it works, but they've got a character called Larry the Rat, which yeah. I, I'd love to know if you – was that another character of yours or made up or – That was it. Basically, uh, we did the we did the first game, and then uh, after World – well, 10 years later, then we – I'd never wanted to do a sequel, but we were talking to the new Williams Valley Midway Management. We'd already formed our – own company game refuge by then we left after pigskin pigskin was the sequel to our tribals and we were working on something else and ea reached out to me and said hey we we want you to come work for us and it's like you know i love california to visit but i'm not moving out there it's like i've got a half acre i couldn't afford a postage stamp out there (laughs) and uh i talked to him for about a year and then eventually they said well and i said well i could work remotely i do now from williams and uh they, they said, no, we can't do that. They said, how about if we give you the money to start your own company? Wow. <laughs> uh, sure. So I talked to Jeff and that's what we did. And we left Williams on good terms and we kept doing stuff for him. And we were working on something else at the time, but their head of uh, marketing was like, I need, I've, you know, I've got Mortal Kombat now. I've got this going on now. I've got my 14 year old male lockdown. I need something for girls and old people and little kids. So Jeff and I looked at each other and said, let's redo Rampage. And that's where Rampage World Tour came from. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That was the next version that I had. And that one, we made sure there was a ton of hidden stuff, a ton of it. There's a 15 page book filled with every hidden thing every i mean you can go to hell and eat hitler in that game did you know that? <laughs> no i didn't I... you can go to the warehouse where they keep the lost ark you can go to area 51 i mean there are you know, the, the and we took a lot of stuff from movies going on at the time we've got our own pair of versions of you know uh, oh, never mind. Uh, I'm digressing again. No, no, it's really interesting. And there's obviously loads of extra characters, isn't there? That's what I... The, yeah. And we, and so and forth, yeah. On the characters we alluded to in the first one, but really couldn't put in. And so there's a whole backstory of the Scum Labs bad guy and his daughter is the sexy daughter is the uh, lab technician that reported the breakout. And they, she chases him up to the moon, actually, at the end. And um, part of that last sequence at the moon she shrinks them back down to little teeny characters and and they get into her spaceship and it was banned from some home systems at the time wow because lizzie was standing on her head and bounces onto her shoulder and then falls into her cleavage (laughs) and just is hanging there and i guess some home systems back in 1996 uh, decided that that's just too far just Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so and usually I'm on the other side of that fight. I guess I, I play it very close to the middle, I guess. Yeah. I'm always at home and it's like, I'm not putting that in my game. My kids are going to play it. But I felt that one was kind of mild. I was a little surprised that home systems pull that out of some versions. But I never have anything to do with home system, home games. Oh, no, fair enough. Um, we'll talk a bit, a bit more about Rampage a bit towards the end as well. But is it Xen- Xenophobe was another another big game. Was that after Rampage as well? Um, right. And what's, how did you get the opportunity? How do you reflect back on that particular title now, Brian? I had come up with a, I'd come up with a game um, that was going to be pyramid, you know, uh, it's running around a pyramid finding treasure, collecting treasure, and then using it in other places to like open secret doors. Um, kind of, I, I was teaching Dungeons and Dragons to kids when I was in college. So I wanted that, those kind of elements. And um, 
management wanted the guy I did Rampage with. Uh, I was going to do it with Jeff, and they pulled him onto another project. So I was given a new guy, uh, Howard Shear, really bright programmer um, and enthusiastic. He wanted to be a pinball programmer, but he was willing to put in his time up on our floor. And the game, uh, one of the other uh, programmers I work with, um, Gary Oglesby, said, uh, you should, you've seen the movie Alien. You should do, and he, I think he came up with the name, call it Xenophobe. And I'm like, what the hell's a Xenophobe? And he told me, it's like, perfect. I love the name, very euphonic and everything. And it was, it's running around this spaceship, uh, trying to find all the, kill all the aliens you want. So if you just wanted to play it as a fast as you could, shoot them up, you could. But otherwise you're collecting these things and then with thumb buttons on the controls, and it was fairly com fairly complex game. Um, uh, you know, you could put the disc in here and stop the clock for a while. You could, anyway, it did so well on test that uh, management wanted to release it early. And uh, there's about a quarter of the things you could do in the game are sitting there in the art, but never got implemented because they're like, no, we want to put this out early. Wow. And which is a real shame because it came out and broke Rampage's records. Wow. But then, you know, where I was saying, you know, Rampage maintained, but then about four, three or four months in, you know, it dropped fairly steadily. Right. So it didn't have the legs of Rampage, which was too bad. Um, but yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun, another fun project. And with Rampage, just as a side note, Rampage is the first game where uh, the, art, the guy in, head of the art department says, you know, normally all art for my games had been done by the pinball department, the artists downstairs. And he's like, why don't you do the art for Rampage? And I was like, really? I can do that? He's like, can you? It's like, sure. So that little Rampage cabinet was the first game I ever did, got to do the art for. And so that did the marquee, did the the uh, bezel art, did the control panel art. And then every game after that, every arcade I ever did after that had was covered in my art. I always made sure I got to do the art after that. I mean, it's, it's the full package, isn't it? So Yeah, it was fun. After that, it was just... It was branded now. Now I could now I could just basically say, yeah, that's my baby. Um, I think Arch Rivals was well. It, well, we know it's another huge successful game for you. Were you a basketball? Are you a basketball fan? Was that an easy for no. you? Or? No, 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 no. And I mean, to credit where credit is due, most of my games were my concepts. But Jeff Nauman, who I'd worked with on a lot of games, um, he comes in one day and throws a airplane barf bag on the table and he's got some scribbling on there and he's like i've got it you know how you want it and i had done we had talked about games where i'm controlling multiple characters one player is and he says this is perfect for basketball brian if we you know one player controls two people you can pass you can pass to the other or you can shoot or you can pick and do a pick and roll or you can and it's like hold up you know he's six two you know, he's, he's always a jock. I'm the book reader and I'm the artist. And we were a perfect pair. You know, we, uh, you know, if, if we got the other person to agree, we're probably right. If you other, if you couldn't get the other person to agree, you had to rethink it. And so it was a good, we were a good team. And in this case, it's like, hang on, I don't know from basketball. And as much as you're telling me that this is going to be the first arcade game ever with real basketball strategies, that's great. But I'm not going to play it <laughs> unless maybe. What do you think of personal fouls? Yeah, 
And that was it. And it was just, and once again, we were both like we were with Rampage. This is going to be a hit. And yeah. we, we got on that and we had a ball with that. And, uh, and then, yeah, about three months before we were supposed to go on test or a couple months before we were supposed to go on test, Williams bought Bally uh, Midway. And Jeff and I were the only two designers they kept. Uh, so it was very, very gratifying when that thing did as well as it did after the, all the, for the new Bally Midway, the new Williams Bally Midway. You said, I mean, you, you seem to have um, the, the Midas touch, you know. You, no, 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 no. I, see, we, people don't know about the games that didn't quite make right, it. Right. I did a game um, uh, called Patui Louie. Patui Louie was a giant red feathered pterodactyl with a bikini clad cave woman on his back who threw boomerang that the, 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 she would control the pterodactyl to run around on the ground and eat watermelons, then jump into the air and spit watermelons while she threw boomerangs at wow. giant invisible killer bees. Now, that sounds you, crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine why that didn't resonate with everyone? I, I don't. That one just bombed terribly. I, I don't know why. Don't know why. So no, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Might have touch isn't necessarily something I'd say I, I, I don't have. No, um, fair enough. How many have you got a, a number in your head? How many games have you actually worked on? Because uh, these days it's close to a hundred. Oh, I mean, after forty years, it's close to a hundred. Now that's including games that didn't come out, and uh, and not you know. By far, not all of those are things I've designed. Uh, you know, a lot of my early games, you know, or you know, clients will come to us with a con- with a yeah. you know a, a concept, and we'll flesh it out. But you know, the majority I designed, or, and and it's not a one person thing. This isn't me. I'm not a programmer. This isn't O'Brien. Is all this? I bring what I bring, but I work with great people. It's a team process. It is, you know, all it takes is one guy on the team, you know, not willing to get excited about it or, you know, and honestly, that's more of what I do. I still do a lot of the art and I'll do a lot of the game design, but these days, as much as anything is getting everybody fired up and keeping them fired up, you're working on something for, you know, anywhere from you know six months to three years it's hard to maintain enthusiasm sometimes um you know uh, but when everybody's having fun the game ends up being fun that's true um speaking speaking of a fun game i have to say general chaos um was a great game we i've played it a lot on the mega drive at the genesis obviously in the u.s and um i, it, I don't think it was an arcade game was it, it, was, it was just a sega, yeah. sega game is that right brian yeah um, that's I, correct uh, it was yeah. it was our first game for EA when we formed Game Refuge. We went out there like, again, left um, uh, Williams Valley Midway on good terms. Um, went out to EA, pitched them this idea. They generally liked it, and then one had ex- and then we had no deal with them yet. So we're out, right. and he's like, uh, "Well, you know, I love this whole love this whole concept. You're controlling this squad of five guys and everything. Everyone has a different type. They like that." He said, "But you know what would really be better from a marketing standpoint is if we could make it street games." And right. I'm right. again, I was younger then and a little more unpolished, and I said, "No fucking way." <laughs> Like, my kids are going to play this game. I want them to play in a reality that has nothing to do with what they're living in. I'm not doing a street game. And then, and then right after that came out of my mouth, I'm like, 
Yeah. They're <laughs> looking at each other. It's like, but they, they bought into it and it went on to become their number one non-licensed title for the year. I mean, it, it, it sold more than the only games that sold more were games where they paid for like the movie rights or the, the character rights from other people. So as an original game, it was their number one game. And then it was the, and then it was the impetus behind creating the four player controller. Cause then yeah. they came back to us and said, we want to do this as a four player game because we're selling the heck out of them. So that was very gratifying as well. And it was chaos. Yeah. That, that D pad and trying to keep track of all those guys on the screen and everything. It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. A frantic game, isn't it? I mean, yes. You, yeah. But was it different? Was it really different to work on that game as opposed to a normal arcade game for the console? Was it a different mindset at all? Um, not too much from a development standpoint. Jeff and I have been working out of our respective homes for years. We'd meet, you know, halfway in between our towns at a Hooters and do most of our really heavy research there. Uh, but, you know, we worked well remotely. So the development wasn't much different. The um, testing and marketing was. Um, I would, uh, I'd send off art expecting it to be, end up as the marketing art and I'd get back stuff that, I'm going, wow, this is not what I would do. But we had no control over that. They were big. Right. And, um, um, the, and then testing was their focus groups testing, and then they would send us little notes, which it's not the same as standing in the back of the arcade. Right. That, to me, will always be the way to test a game is to watch the players. Um, there's no – I've had clients who, you know, didn't feel testing was important. And it's like, believe me, eventually you're going to realize, yes, it may only take this long to make the game, but you're going to need that much more in testing because that's what makes the difference between, okay, this works, and okay, people want to play it, okay? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, some, fortunately, I, almost everybody understand, comes to understand that. Uh, but general chaos, that was the only part of it, and it – it was simple enough in terms of what we were doing. It was one screen. It was just the five characters. I'd been pushing pixels for a while, so I knew how to get the animation part out. Jeff and I had been working for a while. He knew how to get everything working, and uh, it did it did really well for us. We uh, we had a ball. That was a great first game as a company. And yeah, you're not you haven't asked, but you're going to right. Um, what about the? Is there going to be a future one? It's in. It's, it's general chaos two, major snafu, situation normal, all fouled up. Um, where I can't see nothing. Anyway, it's in development. I tried starting a few years ago uh, with a Kickstarter, and unfortunately, uh, <laughs> you're just I, off, weren't you? Is that right? I think I read somewhere you were. Lit <laughs> we we were just starting the like multiple city tour of uh, with the arcade indoor kids in LA and I was flying out that day and I found out I had cancer. So oh, that kind of right. all fell apart uh, there a few years back, but it is in development now. And towards the end of the year, uh, I haven't decided if we're going to, who we're going to show, who we're going to let play it. Cause I'm as an old arcade guy, I'm very much a, I don't want anybody to see this till it's perfect, but yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. understand the reality these days of people wanting to play Version, 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 version. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but it's in development. I've got a full team on it, and it's looking great. 
Oh, wow. I'm so happy because I didn't know that. I, I knew that there was a Kickstarter a few years ago, and I'm, a, I'm right. so sorry. I'm, I'm so glad you bounced back, Brian. Um, uh, but I can't wait to play the new one. It's, I, it's, it's, all, it's got more stuff. It's got more opportunities to do things that have come in games since. But mainly it's about making the struggle with the D-pad and the cursor and all that go away. This literally is, you know, touch here, touch here, touch here on full screen monitors or your mouse or wherever. Um, I mean, where it's going to end up will depend on how much people love it when it's done. But we're having a ball with it. We're having a ball with it. It's going to be oh, easy to control and a lot more surprises, a lot more, a lot more characters, too. Oh, Brian. Oh, thank you. I love hearing about that. Um, I mean, do you have a favorite class from the original games? And I, I assume they're going to be in the new games as well. Is that right? Yeah, the same, the same character classes, the chucker and the gunner and the blaster and the scorcher oh, yeah. and the um, – who else was there? I missed one. Anyway, uh, oh, and the launcher. They're all going to be there, plus there is Major Snafu and Major Fubar, who are the new kind of bigger, heavier duty, dudes. Yeah. And, uh, and Eve El Mignon, she's uh, – uh, well, I don't want to give too much weight, but there are, there are some great characters in there. And of the original – I don't think I had a favorite. I know a lot of people did. For me, it was all balancing the squads. Yeah. I mean, you could get a squad with all gunners or just two gunners and a scorcher. Uh, one of each wasn't my favorite. I'll tell you, yeah, well, the, the one of each was not my favorite because you didn't need that guy with the dynamite stack most of the time. Just, you know, yeah. he would throw it about five feet and blow the hell out of himself. <laughs> um, maybe not. But it is going to have a lot more surprises, and there's going to be a lot more for the player to do between levels. It's going to be multiplayer. It's going to be internet. And between levels, you can decide to train this guy to do this. You know, is your, is your scorcher now going to get a, you know, jetpack on his back so he can flame from above? Well, you, nice. you know, you're going to have to wait and see and be able to afford it by plundering havoc, plundering chaos or general chaos, plundering general havoc's territories. And and we've even got some NPCs coming into this. So we're, we're, I'm all right. I'm going to shut up. I'm gonna oh, shut up. I know. Thank you. I'm not. is going to love hearing about this. Um, I can't wait to play. Actually, now <laughs> you mentioned earlier Rampage World Tour. You, you spoke about that. I mean, that was it. A little bit of a gamble in your brain to to revisit such a classic because no, no, no. If if anything, it opened. We knew the game mechanic worked. We knew it had a love. People had a love for it. It was more a there's so much more we can do with this hardware than that old hardware. What are we going to do with it? About the only challenging thing was I knew from the start, it couldn't be me doing all the art because I pushed all the, I did all the art in the original and most of my games, but um, it was like, you know, that's going to be a ton of animation and animation takes time. And if we want this, so I had to, I actually used a um, spline modeling tool, which was kind of new at the time. Um, and, hired 3d artists i'm not a 3d artist and i hired a bunch so i had like six artists working on this i had uh uh and then jeff on his side had uh, five to six programmers working on it it was more about just creating more content content for an established gameplay and how we were going to do it in this hardware because we couldn't achieve the same things even though this hardware was better and had gave us more to work with yeah. we couldn't do things the same way we did them in the previous one so it was again it had its own challenges but challenges is what makes it fun for me 
and as a but in terms of worrying no not from not from the moment as soon as we said it the marketing guy said yeah let's do it and we got on it <laughs> i mean it was successful wasn't it the arcade yeah it done well didn't it um and then it was successful in the like next round of home games as midway moved over to the home games it it went uh, was ported to everything virtually everything and and obviously that that led on to I think Rampage Through Time and Total Destruction. Were you did you work on those titles as well? Are you shaking no, your head? I, yeah, I did the two arcade games, and then like I said, I've never had anything to do with ports of any of my games or sequels. Yeah, um, you know it. Uh, basically, yeah. No, I and it, usually that's because I'm always working on something or thinking about what I'm working on next. So. Um, I th- we presented actually we presented um, the California Midway the new, at that time after it was doing well at home they said they wanted us to think about another one ah. and so we came up with a multiplayer rampage what we called rampage 3D in which they came back from the moon as little tiny things and they had to break out of the lab and then they had to grow and grow depending on how much you eat so you're fighting mice and then you were knee high and you're fighting dogs and oh. So you get bigger than buildings to Godzilla size. Wow. And we even did a mock-up and I showed, you know, it's just like, oh, they're going to love this. And I showed it to the uh, representative from Midway who came, who was in town. And he said, oh, no, we don't, we don't want anything like that. Can't you just add another character too? And at this point, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So <laughs> brilliant businessman that I am, I said, no, no, you can get anybody to do that. When you want to do it right, come on back. We'll be waiting. Wow. It's on somebody else, so we didn't get to do it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. As, as a game as a as a businessman, I'm a great game designer. I mean I'm a businessman. Would you would you ever like to make a new rampage game? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, if you know somebody there, have them give me you know somebody at Time Warner, maybe I can get Maybe I can get The Rock to say something to somebody. Oh, wow. We're going to talk about it in two seconds. I can't wait. But I have to say, Rampage. I mean, have you played – did you play the the, the Total Destruction and Fruit type game? Not really. The box art. I saw the box art. Uh, no. I like. I mainly play I mainly play multiplayer games, uh, and I, I'm usually working on games. Working on games yeah. is what I do for fun. Nice. I mean, you know um, – yeah, no, I I never played them. I've got the boxes here, I've got the games here, but I I've never played them. Fair dues. Um, my kids do. Yeah, no, cool. And yeah, um, I've got to say, um, video game and movies don't always mix particularly well. Um, we can think of a few duds like maybe Street Fighter and and so forth and the original Mario Brothers. Uh, but Rampage. When I heard that they were making a Rampage movie. I was excited, and I, I, but I was a bit wary. I was like, "Oof, this this could work. Maybe it wouldn't." Um, I, I have to say, Brian, I, I really did enjoy it. Actually, um, when I watched it a, a few years ago, um, how I'd love to know how you got involved in this. How did you get? Were you did you get told about this? Were you asked? Did you work on this? I'd love to know about you. I story. heard, I heard through the same way everybody else did. You know, through some snippet that uh, Warner Brothers was thinking of making it. So I wrote to Warner Brothers and said, "Hey, look." I've got this huge back. You may not know this, but on Rampage World Tour, there's this huge backstory. I've got all the characters. I'd be glad to help out in any way I can. And I got a polite, you know, don't call us, we'll call you kind of letter. And I kind of followed it in the back of my mind for a few years. And then I saw it. 
the year it was supposed to come out, it's like, I'm not hearing anything about it. And then I heard The Rock signed up. Mm. That's like, okay, so this might really happen. And this is a big, yeah. And listen, we're talking 30 years after I came up with the game. So everything about this got me excited because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, people even still remember. That's cool. <laughs> and uh, then I got a call from someone in uh, uh, someone let me know here in Chicagoland. They were shooting in Chicago. And would I like to come be an extra? Wow. <laughs> oh, this is too great. Uh, so. Yeah, I said, yeah, absolutely. Doesn't get any better than this. Went out, did a week of running around, you know, Chicago away from imaginary monsters. And then on the next week, someone had let uh, the assistant director know that who I was. And he said, would you like to, sh could we shoot a cameo? So I spent the entire afternoon with all the extras standing off to one side where I'm running in a suit, wool suit and a briefcase uh, down the street behind this camera car. And trying, you know, and, and uh, it, it was, it, it was like, it can't get any better than this. They no shot in cameo. And then I get a call from uh, one of the producers, John Ricard. Um, he said, I've been wanting to talk to you for years. And uh, he's like, but you know, they've got all kinds of policies here at the studio. But now that you're officially an employee of the movie, they can't stop me. You want to come down during the last week of shooting and meet everybody? Whoa. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of those can't get any better than this days. And I, I mean, I could talk for an hour about that. We don't want to let me too, talk too much. It was so much fun. They were so nice to me. I am in awe of everything I'm seeing uh, because, like I said, I was a filmmaker in college. And yeah. here I am through this circuitous, I'm on a huge film set. At the end of the day, I'm taking a picture with the producers and uh, behind me, uh, Naomi and, and uh Dwayne are shooting one of the final scenes. And all of a sudden I hear, stop, stop. I got to be part of this. He and Naomi come running down. She gives me a big hug. He just puts his arm around me and starts telling me how, and I'm just in awe. You know, I am, you know, my dimples are on top of my flipping head. I am just yep. so much. He was wonderful. Everything about it was wonderful. And then I get, got to go to the premiere. And that was, oh, I mean, so everything about my wife and I, um, you know, a Hollywood premiere. All right, I'm going to calm down because I mean, I'm acting like a little kid again. Well, can I, 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 I don't, what part of the movie are you in, Brian? I can't recall it. I'm, I'm not. Oh. I got a call. That was it. Three weeks before the movie comes out, I have a friend in, in uh, LA saying, Brian, I just went to a test screen. And your face is running away from the Willis Tower as it comes down towards you in a huge close-up. As you're, that's like, oh yes, we're at the premiere, my wife and I. And it's like, okay. and then it's like, okay, here it comes, here it comes, here. Oh. And right where it should have been in the movie, there, it's like, I mean, I could even see the the L track we were filming under. There's nothing. And the oh. first thing the producer says to me at the party after How'd You Like the Movie was, yeah, really sorry. Warner uh, came in about three weeks ago and we had to cut out, uh, you know, a half dozen Easter eggs and you ended up on the cutting room floor. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, it, you know what? It, it, it's one of those things that it's almost a better story that way. Yeah, I would love to see the footage just to see how I did. I was probably terrible, and that's probably why they cut me out. But uh, it was in there for a while, and I'm on the DVD. They interview me on the DVD, so that's, that's fine. Did, did you did you like the film? Then you did it, it was I, you did like yeah. 
I was like everybody else in the world, video game movies suck, you know, and it's not going to be any good. But uh, John made a point to tell me how the script evolved. And I love the fact that they kept the humanity in the game because, like I said, I always thought the monsters were the victims. But by making George, the albino gorilla, making him human-like, they kept the heart in the game and in the movie. And I knew going into it, it wasn't going to have the little guy on the toilet who you eat and that kind of stuff. So I knew it wasn't going to be my humor, but I loved what they did with that movie. And I loved, you know, The Rock made a big point of saying, you know, he's worked harder on this film than any film he's ever made to this point. He was a big fan when he was a kid, which meant even more to me. Yeah, yeah, it it was just a wonderful experience all the way around. And he, he, too, he was a nice, nice man. And yeah, oh, just, yeah. yeah. He, I told him that day, I said, you're nicer than everybody says you are. And everybody says you're really nice. Uh, yeah, it was, it was something. It was really something. That's great. Um, I mean, if you, it, apart from Rampage, is there any other games that you worked on you'd love to see made into a movie if you had a ch- choice? Or... Uh, General Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. that. Most of the games I've done over the years, I don't own the rights to, the clients do. And, but General Chaos, I still, uh, EA was in a good point in those days. And so I still own the rights to the franchise if I want to. If I, uh, oh, okay, cool. I were doing, or one of the reasons we're doing it is the sequel. Uh, so yeah, they make a great movie. I actually, I think uh, Major Fubar kind of looks like a large, broad shouldered Hollywood actor who I won't name. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that down the road. Oh, good on you. Um, I mean, you might have mentioned this game already, Brian, but you're more than happy to throw another game out there. But is there a particular title you worked on that you're most proud of in your career? I mean, it's a tough question. It would have to be Rampage, just for all of the reasons we've already talked about. It's not necessarily the game I play the most. Uh, and, and even that breaks into subcategories because of my head-to-head games like you know, two-player game, arcade games. Uh, I love Arch Rivals, but I love Pigskin even more. Uh, just Pigskin, you were controlling a half dozen guys rather than just the one. And that was basically rugby with act battle axes and torches and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I have different games that I, I am very proud of. I mean, one of the games no one will ever he- have heard of, uh, we did a game for a uh, uh they're a construction company. They, they make the giant mining caterpillars and stuff like that. And for their annual con- convention, they said, can you do a game where you draw a, around this little track and, and attendees can race on it? And I said, and they told me the budget. And I said, well, for that budget, <laughs> I can do a 3D game in which we show all of your, they can drive your 40-ton pickups down this mountain road. And I'm so proud of that just because hundreds of people lined up every time every convention for nine years and i would run into people back in you know that's like a convention out in la and i would yeah. run into construction workers that knew it and they wow. one of the challenges of that was it's like okay everybody who's going to be here nobody they're all older people and their wives and they're at a convention and they're half drunk and they've got to have a ball playing this game and it, <laughs> Again, creative a different type of creative challenge, and I'm really proud of that. Oh, that's too. good on you. Yeah, that's a challenge, though. <laughs> oh, that's a good little story. Um, I mean, you said you, you worked on a few unreleased games. Um, 
was there a particular game you, you did work on that sadly wasn't released that you thought actually this could could have been pretty big? Um, any reason at all? Not really. I mean, if something didn't get released, it was for a reason. It was either it yeah. didn't come off, it didn't have the appeal that that I thought it would, like Patui Louie, although we had some hardware issues there too. The, the bees were invisible because management wouldn't give us, other, increase the ROM size. Uh, but the the um, for the most part, no, I take credit where credit is due and I take blame where it's due too. I mean, there are some games that I did that that didn't get released because they shouldn't have been released. Maybe because they shouldn't have been. I've got a few that should have that have been released that I regret were released because they just oh, no. good. Um, but you know, those were projects that I wasn't necessarily. Uh, in favor of when I started working on them. So, but uh, yeah, no, I, there's nothing I, I really wish. Yeah. Made it. Yeah. Made it that it wasn't released. That wasn't released. If it got released, you know, I'm happy, you know, if it had great sales, if it had poor sales, the fact that I can still play it because it's out there, yeah. that makes me happy. I'm more about get it done kind of guy. Ah, good on you. Um, You say you don't play that many video games, but have you got a top three that you, have loved over your life that you've that you've played okay in terms of games i played the yeah. a lot of back in the day i mean i played a lot of doom oh, yeah. because for me at my age that was new it was fake 3d but it was brilliantly done and i could go in and push the pixels around and make it look the way i wanted and in the game office well it's about four o'clock Okay, we all sat down and we all, you know, because it was a multiplayer game. And then later, you know, the Quake Deathmatch uh, was something I played for a long time. So a lot of the one-player big games that started coming out that started taking months to finish kind of turned me off games for a long right, time. Right. And I, instead, I would go downstairs and watch my teenage son. I'd sit on the couch and watch him play and marvel at the beauty and how well they were done. Yeah. But they didn't appeal to me. I wanted something over quick. My absolute favorite game to play is one I did that one got released, only sold about 90,000 hard copies. Um, it was, let's see, it was full, it was full contact poker, deathmatch, right, race right. game. It was a race game. It was gambling's guns, gasoline. It was full contact <laughs> deathmatch poker in a perpetual winter on heavily armed rocket powered snowmobiles in a Cthulhu mythos reality. And at least it was called Arctic stud poker run. That's incredible. Back in the land game days, it was on the internet too for a while till the torque engine stopped. They stopped doing their server. So not, now you can you can only play it as a land game. It is the most fun game I've ever made. It is ridiculous. Wow. It is ridiculous. Uh, so that's my favorite game huh. I've ever done in, oh, terms you. Playing, in terms of playing. You, you've already mentioned one project you're working on now and the sequel to General Chaos. Is there any other games or projects that you can reveal or is it all a, is that, is that the main one? Not that I can talk about at the moment. Um, yeah. on a couple of things. Um, yeah, not, uh, nothing I can talk about. No, that's fine. 
<laughs> You've told us quite a lot already, to be fair, which we're pretty yeah, just if you don't shut me up. <laughs> we've got look, Brian, we've got one final question we oh. ask all our guests and, and I really do uh, just want to say thank you properly now because oh. what what a brilliant um well what a, what great stories. I really appreciate your time and it's been so interesting. Um this is a wacky question, but if you could share a few drinks with any video game character, who would you choose and why? <sighs> Any, not just one of my characters. Anyone. It could be any, anyone, yeah. It could be your own. It's up to you. Share a few drinks. Hmm. Um, I'm going either, either um, on a regular basis, I do share drinks with uh, Lizzie in her human form, who is my wife, Ray. <laughs> but So I'll start with that one because otherwise I'll get in trouble. Um, Dr. Uh, Veronica, Betty Veronica from Rampage World Tour, the lab oh, technician. Yeah. That would be, that would be, I would love to be seen around town, you know, escorting her into the bar. Otherwise, George, uh, yeah. George, he would need a big drink and I could help him finish it off. So. <laughs> I mean, that's a brilliant way to finish off the interview. Look, Brian, really good luck. Keep us posted with um, with, with General Chaos the sequel. Honestly, we'll we'll, we'll we'll check that out and we'll we'll help promote if you want and stuff like that. But, um, There's look. a Facebook page, General Chaos, official General Chaos Facebook page, um, where we and I. Uh, if you send an email to, uh, you can cut this out if you want to, but send an email to. Uh, forget it. Um, I can't remember. I never, I never remember. General Chaos at GameRefuge.com. Um, I'll send you an update. On, on, yeah, I'm getting ready to do the spring update and uh, let you know how the game's going, let you know what's going on with that. And then I'm on Facebook too. So um, you never know. Yeah, people can get in contact and stuff. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll put some stuff in the show notes, uh, links and whatnot. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. And then like I say, you can edit this out. Thank you. Look, Brian, okay, we're going to end it here, but brilliant. Okay. Thank you for your time today. What a gentleman. Adrian, thanks for reaching out to me. This has been fun. And now I, I'm hoarse, getting hoarse. So you you let me talk too long. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack, which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.